0: Hey, welcome back to the Road.TV Sermon Podcast, where today we're going to be exploring some more in our before and after series. This is on marriage, and Pastor Matthew is going to share some of his personal stories on marriage, drawing from his own journey with his wife, Allison. Learn three essential truths for building a strong marriage and discover the importance of finding hope in Jesus amidst life's challenges. Invite your favorite person to join you as we explore the keys to lasting love and commitment. It is so good to be in the house. I'm so thankful that you chose to come and worship with us. Man, I'm loving this series. This is one of my favorite series that we do as a church. Uh, Not that I always feel like I have all this life-changing stuff to share, but I I absolutely love getting to sit under our pastor and have him help my marriage be everything that it can be um, and more. Um, I also do believe that today I'm excited about this this word. Um, when Alice and I got married, I was the senior pastor of a church in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and she had been living in Broken Arrow. And, and so because I was our senior pastor, we didn't have the, the premarital counseling, if you will, that a, a lot of families get to have. I just told her everything I needed her to know, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> that helped us out. Luckily, luckily, thankfully, She had read enough books. We had enough uh, godly people in our life to help us along the way. But I do wanna say this to you. uh, We got married on love and hope, but we didn't have the start that we could have had if I had been more wise. We got married on love and hope. Some of you might've got married on love and hope. Uh, We don't have a perfect marriage, but thankfully, Allison has graciously walked with me and I with her, and we're still committed to each other today. Uh, but I want you to hear me say this I made our marriage harder than it had to be. I have made our marriage harder than it has to be. Uh, I have not been, I was not truly prepared for life after our marriage ceremony. There's so much that goes into life and, and like dating before the ceremony, there's not as much that goes into preparation for after the ceremony. And so, really, what I wanna do is just kinda of talk with us briefly about life after the ceremony. Um, the title this morning is this, Marriage After We Say I Do. Marriage After We Say I Do. And with that being said, we're gonna talk about the bulk of the message today is gonna to be a mindset shift. But before I get to that mindset shift, what I wanna do is share with you a, an acronym called STAY. After the ceremony, the best thing you can do in your marriage is is make it a point to stay. What does stay mean? Well, S means start with me. Start with me. I've heard it said in relation to uh, churches and revival, Lord, bring revival and let it begin with me. How about this? If you want revival in your marriage, let it begin with you. Don't wait for your spouse to go first. Let it begin with you. take divorce off the table. Take divorce off the table. If you are, if, if there is a way out, you will look for it when you have the opportunity. Take divorce off the table. Allow the right people to stay in your life and to speak into your life. Allow the right people to speak in your life. If Uh, I know we all have a lot of great friends in our life, but if you are letting ungodly people that are not pursuing Jesus speak into your life and marriage, then you will end up in the wrong place that you wanna be. Why? Yield to your partner's needs and desires. Yield to your partner's needs and desires. And with that, I will say this. If you're not willing to meet your spouse's needs, someone else at work will. Will? I'm glad you're here. Stay. What can you do in your marriage? Stay. The truth that we're going to build on, those are practical things, but the truth that we're going to build on, the mindset shift that we're going to start with, this truth, there is no earthly hope for your marriage. There's no earthly hope for your marriage. Let me pray for us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Holy Spirit, have your way as we look to your word today. Marriage can be so hard, it can be so difficult. And Lord, so many of us have tried so many different things and yet are still at no avail having difficulty in our marriages. And so today, Lord, would you give us wisdom, would you speak to us, would you reveal truth to us, and then may we leave a little bit different, a little bit more like you, and a little bit more set up for success in our marriages. Lord, I thank you for your word, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Not too long ago, uh, Pastor Rick came in my office. I had a couple of people in my office with me and he, and, uh, he was eavesdropping on a conversation that he should have stayed out of. You hear what I'm saying? And, uh, but he came in and he wrote on my whiteboard, idealism on one side. And then he wrote over here on the other side, realism. He wrote idealism and he wrote realism. And then he went over to idealism and he took a bi- another marker and he just kept circling it. You know what I mean? He said, and this is where you all are. And he wasn't talking about marriage, but as I was thinking about this sermon, as I was thinking about marriage, I began to think, you know what? The truth is, this is where a lot of us are in the relationships that we have, is that we are in this idealistic world, and oftentimes, marriage is not as ideal as we've painted it and hoped and dreamed it to be. Are you guys with me? In marriage, idealism can be known as the honeymoon phase. Anybody heard of that? The honeymoon phase. The honeymoon phase is when you say things like this. Oh, babe, your feistiness is so cute. Are you with me? But then you get out of the honeymoon phase and you say things like this. Look, your smart aleck mouth is getting on my last nerve. That's the difference. You hear what I'm saying? That's the difference. (laughs) Marriage is hard. And we go through many different stages and changes within our marriage. And what I want to do is, again, help us shift our mindset so that we can be set up for success when the honeymoon phase is over. Here's the first truth that we're, really going, to, we're going to spend most of our time on, and we're going to unpack it together, is this. You are a spouse that sins married to another spouse that sins. The first truth you need to know, you are a spouse that sins married to another spouse that sins. Now, I initially had, you're a sinner married to another sinner, but I decided to change it to be more clear and accurate. Let me tell you why. Christians still sin, but Paul makes it abundantly clear uh, that being a sinner is not who we are any longer when we are saved and are in Christ. In other words, being a sinner, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is not your essential identity any longer. I don't know what you've done. I don't know the sin that you've ever partaken in. I don't know how gross and disgusting it may have been but I do want you to know this when you gave your life to Jesus Christ you are called born again and what you are and what you've done listen is not who you are and what you should associate with any longer are you with me? Uh, yes there will be times that you choose to sin but you're not your sin And I say that because I need you to hear me because this is key to understanding uh, marriage. You are flawed and your spouse is flawed. In other words, maybe you're still living in the honeymoon phase. You're not as perfect as you think you are. Or how about this? Your spouse is not as perfect as you think or wish they are. Both of you bring something into the marriage that is destructive to what a marriage needs and is designed to be, and that's called sin. No one is perfect. Everyone has sinned. Matter of fact, just in case you wanna question that, uh, Romans 3, 23, right? Paul writes, he says, all have sinned. Every one of us, nobody is perfect. No, not even one. So if you're single and you're listening today, let me just say this. If you're waiting for the perfect person to come into your life, you're gonna be waiting for the rest of your life because no one is perfect. And if you think they are, just wait a little bit and they will show you their real self, okay? And it's not perfect. You are one spouse, that sins, married to another spouse, that sins. Um, Most of the time in marriage, when, when I say this, I just want you to think through this. Most of the time in marriage, the hardest part isn't something that your spouse will intentionally do. In other words, most of our spouses don't live their life to try to make each other like the most miserable they can be. Now, in a moment of anger, right? someone can do something intentionally to hurt someone else. But, but normally what is really happening that makes the difficulty of marriages is, is that the difficulty in our marriage is the result of your life being affected listen to this, by the sin, weakness and failure of the person that you're living with. For instance, guys, um, if, you're, if your spouse, your lady, goes to work and, and something happens there, and, and now she comes home and she has a bad mood, she's in a bad mood. She has a bad day uh, do you think that's going to affect what happens at home it is okay let me just point it out it is Uh, ladies if your your man goes to work and he gets mad um, something happens maybe he's watching tv and he gets mad do you think that's going to affect what's happening at home I I say watching tv just the other day I was watching the movie uh Sound of Freedom anybody seen it and before I even knew what I was doing, I had a magazine and I was loading 5.56 five, ammo. Do you hear what I'm saying? And my wife was like, what in the world? I said, I'm about to take care of business. <laughs> Just what was taking, it was affecting. And on top of that, how about this? At some point, at some point, you and your spouse will be selfish. You'll make a selfish decision. At some point, you will speak unkindly. At some point, there will be a moment of jealousy. There'll be a moment of bitterness. Maybe even conflict. And here's what will happen. If you minimize the sin struggle that both of you have carried into your marriage, then you will constantly take what is happening in your marriage and personalize it. I wanna say it again. Because I think we've concluded that all of us will sin. If you minimize the sin struggle that both of you have carried into your marriage, then you will constantly take what's happening in your marriage and personalize it. And when that happens, listen to me very carefully, the cycle of dysfunction will begin. Let me walk you through this cycle of dysfunction. Sin happens, and if we don't identify the sin, we personalize it. And we personalize the sin, you know what we do? We get defensive. The more defensive we get, the more adversarial we become, and the more adversarial we become, the more divisive things happen. I'm gonna say it again, sin happens, And if we don't identify the sin, we personalize it. And when we personalize the sin, we get defensive. And when we get defensive, we get adversarial. And the more adversarial we are, eventually we become divisive. And that is, listen to me, the natural cycle of dysfunction that happens within our marriages. Think about Adam and Eve. Okay. Um, Adam and Eve, um, sin happened. Do you remember the story? Sin happened. They didn't identify the sin, they excused it. And so then things got personal. And God showed up to walk with Adam and Eve in the, in the Even Another Day like He always did. And because they had personalized it, now they're hiding because they're afraid. They're afraid of what God is going to do. And so then God asked a question of Adam Do you remember? And guess what he did? He became adversarial and blamed Eve. And because he got adversarial with God, division grew to the point that Scripture says in Genesis chapter three, verse 23, the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. An unidentified sin, listen to me very carefully, unaddressed brings division. That's what happens. I think I can say this with 100% confidence. The number one reason our marriages get divided is because at some point, you took the sin in your spouse and made it personal. And then you got defensive. And before you even realize what happened, you say, I just don't know if things are working out anymore. We're not as close as we used to be. all because, listen, of unidentified sin that we take personal, that before we even realize what's taking place, becomes divisive. And it's not always on big things that this happens. I mean, not naming uh, selfish decisions, a sin over time can become divisive. Not naming anger outburst, a sin over time can become divisive. I mean, do you realize that Most of the problems that come up in our our marriages aren't the result of like one big thing. It's a bunch of little things that take place over time. And and all of a sudden, it just becomes so much. So how do we stop this cycle of dysfunction? Here it is. You have to realize that the problem isn't your spouse. It's sin. Remember this scripture? Uh, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The problem isn't your spouse. Married people, listen to me very carefully. I don't know how bad it may be, but the problem isn't your spouse. It's sin. And the moment you realize that you are a spouse that sins, married to another spouse that sins, you can begin to respond, listen to this, with grace and not adversarially. The moment you realize I am a spouse that sins married to another spouse that sins. And the moment you realize what's taking place is sin, the more you can respond with grace instead of personalizing it and responding adversarially. I get all this is easier said than done in a heated moment and that's not hard enough. Not only are we in a battle for the culture within our marriages, not a, a cult, the culture of inside our home, but now, listen to this, not only were we dealing with my, 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 me and my spouse, but now I'm also dealing with everything outside of our house. We're in a battle for the culture of our marriage and, and I need you all to hear that. We are in a war with what's taking place in our marriage. But we're also in a war with what's happening outside our marriage. Which brings us to point number two, and here it is. You are a couple that sins living in a world driven by sin. Your marriage will not escape the brokenness and civilness of the world. Well, let me just say this. Let me go back. Take Adam and Eve, for, for instance. Do you realize how many of them live with you right now? Nobody should be raising their hand. You know what I'm saying? But, it's, but what they did still affects you. Do you see that? What, they, what happened in that marriage affects your marriage. What happens outside of our homes still affect our homes. That's just one example. We're gonna walk through several concepts here in a moment. But our marriages are lived out in the middle of a world that does not function as God intended. Somehow, in some way, your marriage is impacted by the brokenness of our world. It's impacted by the brokenness of the community that you live in. And I just wanna make sure you you see what's taking place. Not only do you have to deal with the sin that's inside your house, but you also have to deal with the sin outside your house. And the brokenness of the world, listen to this, the brokenness of the world serves as like a pressure cooker for what's happening on the inside of your home, intensifying the emotions and the sin that you're already having to deal with. I'm gonna show you what I mean in just a second. Uh, listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. He's writing about what we can expect to experience in the world. Okay, What can we expect to experience in the world outside of our homes? Well, Peter's about to tell us. There's three things, and I, I, will, I will do my fingers right when we get to those three things. He says this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In all this, the living hope that God gives, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, now that you're living here, uh, you may have to suffer grief. And all kinds of trials, those have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through, how about this? Refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Peter says, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, if it, 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 period, you're gonna deal with grief, trials, and the fire of life. Are you with me? Grief, trials, and the fire of life. Um, Your marriage will not escape the grief that comes from living in a broken and sinful world. It just can't, and I'm so sorry that it can't. Grief is our natural reaction to a loss, such as the loss of a loved one, loss of a pet, the loss of health, or the letting go of a long-held dream. Uh, Dozens of emotions come up with grief. Um, Some of you may be familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and the stages of grief that she's written about. I'll just name some. Sadness, anger, guilt, fear, loneliness, Uh, blame how how, let me ask you a question how many of you know that Toby Keith died this past week okay let me ask a question how many of you were sad about it okay that's great Um, listen to me that affected your marriage how many of you have had uh, a friend to have died and you got and you were sad maybe depressed listen that affected your marriage are you seeing what I'm saying? Things that happen outside our home still impact what's taking place inside the home. And You're not immune to that. You will experience the grief that comes from living in a broken and sinful world. Your marriage will not escape the trials that come from living among broken and sinful people. Those trials can be identity crisis, sickness, unfaithfulness, disinterest, career, priorities, blatant sin in another's life. How about this? You watch TV for a little bit and now you're thinking about what's taking place with, between Russia and Ukraine. And now you begin to worry, listen, and before you even know it, it's affecting your marriage. This is how, this is reality. What's taking place in the world, even though, listen, it may not have anything to do with you, still affects you and your marriage. It's part of the world we live in. Your marriage will be tested, refined by the fire of living in a sinful community. Uh, I like building fires. Um, I like smelling fires, cooking things over fires. I even like watching things with no value burn. I'm kind of weird like that, I guess. But uh, I will say this: but if you if you live long enough, think about your relationships in your life. You will be burned by a friend in your life. Someone that you thought you could trust, you you find out you couldn't. And it will burn. It will hurt. It will change you. It will affect your marriage. <laughs> it will affect your marriage. And all this because we are a couple that sins, living in a world driven by sins. But when, but when Peter writes this, of what life is like in this world, he's not writing to discourage the people. He's actually writing to encourage the believers that although the world is difficult and scary and hurtful, God will use, listen to this, God will use the spouse you're married to in the place that you actually live to transform you and your marriage into something that is beautiful and worth praising God over. This is First Peter 1, 6 and 7. And here's why all this is true. It's because God is with you, powerful, and willing to save your marriage from the effects of sin. I want to walk it to you again. You are a spouse that sins, married to another spouse that sins. You are a couple that sins, living in a world driven by sin. And, and all of that sin impacts, affects, d- destroys your marriage, but God is with you, powerful, and willing to save your marriage from the effects of sin. Yes, you and your spouse are less than perfect, have sinned. You live in a sinful community, but God has not left you. I need you to hear me. God has not left you to deal with the negative, destructive effects of sin on your own. God is with you. When God sent Jesus to come to earth, Matthew 1, 23 says this, the virgin, that's talking about Mary, Jesus' mama, will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Matter of fact, one of the last things that Jesus said, go into to the world, preach the gospel, and guess what? I am with you always. Not only was God with the people then, he's with us now. He's with you when times are good. He's with you when times aren't good. He's with you when you sin. He's with you when your spouse sins. How about that? He's with you when you're grieving. He's with you when you're walking through a trial in your life. He's with you when you are feeling the the burning, hurtful effects of being refined by fire. God is with you. Not only is God with you, God is powerful. And here's why I want you to know that. Because God can fix what you think is unfixable. God can fix what you think is unfixable. God can mend what you think can't be mended. God can save that which doesn't even want to be saved. That should bring a lot of hope and encouragement to people that have prodigal kids in their life. Maybe even a spouse that doesn't believe, nor maybe even want to believe. God can save. God can turn the heart, how about that's another way, of someone that maybe doesn't even want their heart turned. God is powerful in authority and God is powerful in strength. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said it this way. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes and I need you to hear me not only was Paul saying the gospel can save for heaven but he's saying the gospel can change what's happening now on earth for all who believes the gospel of Jesus is that good of a news that not only can it save us for an eternity in heaven but it can save what we're experiencing now And then lastly, God is willing. God wants your marriage and your life to be so good. He was willing to send Jesus Christ, his son, to die on the cross so that we don't have to deal with the long-standing destructiveness of sin. And not only did Jesus, how about this, die on the cross for you, when you get married, you are still called one. When he died on the cross, he died for your marriage. So that your marriage doesn't have to deal with and and experience the negative effects of sin. He's willing to intervene in you and on your, your spouse's and your marriage's life to make right what your sin and the world's sinfulness has broken and damaged in your marriage. God is willing, but here's the key, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to surrender your life, your marriage, and your future to Jesus. You have to be willing to let him do what only he can do. You have to be willing to let God transform you and your marriage from what it is to what it can be. You have to be willing to extend grace and mercy when you're hurting. You have to do whatever it takes to protect the sanctity of your, your marriage. You have to be willing to do the hard work to stay. You know, I started off this section telling me about a time that Rick came in my office and drew idealism and realism on the board. And he circled idealism. and, And again, his point was to help us realize that unless we can start thinking realistically, we will never get right what we're talking about. So many of us have this ideal view of relationships and marriage. Listen, and unless we're willing to get real, about our marriage, have the hard conversations, get out of la-la land for a second, we'll never be able to get our marriage right. But I wanna give you some hope. You can be a realistic and hopeful about your marriage all at the same time. You can be realistic and hopeful about your marriage at the same time being realistic about your marriage is not honesty without hope it's actually realism is found at the intersection of hope and honesty and Jesus makes both of those possible he makes both of those possible church family I love you and uh, trust me from one guy that's married (laughs) to a congregation that I love marriage can be really hard I don't get it right a lot. And there's no earthly hope for our marriage. But there is a heavenly hope found in Jesus Christ. And this morning maybe some of you all have been doing everything you can to no earthly avail for your marriage. And I just wanna pause for a moment and point us all back to Jesus. The only hope we have is the gospel of Jesus. Will you bow your head with me? What sin have you not identified in your life? We're just walking through these stages of dysfunction. What sin have you not identified? Have you allowed that sin in your home to become personal? Maybe have you let it make you adversarial? Here's how to know Are you fighting about things all the time? Are you letting sin divide your home? Maybe for the first time, you've just, you realize it's not my spouse, it's sin. And I'm letting, I'm letting sin bring division and destruction to my house. Is that true for you? Our only hope is Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We lift you up. And you tell us in your word that when the son of man is lifted up, he will draw all people into himself. And God, that's my prayer, my hope for us right now, Lord. Would you draw us to you? If you are our only hope, then Lord, here we are asking you to intervene. Show us what you need to show us. And then Lord, give us the courage and the boldness to act, to make things right, because you helped us get real. Lord, we love you. And we love marriage. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, if you'll stand on your feet. Um, Rick, Elijah, Vic, myself are here. We would love to pray with you. Maybe some of the things you're walking through, some of the sin is just so hard that you need some help walking through that. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're thinking, I I know I need a faith family like this that I can walk with in my marriage. And for you wanna join, you wanna be a part of this faith family, you can do that. Just come forward, we'll, we'll help you do that. Maybe... Uh, you just maybe you need to give your life to Jesus and you realize that you've never dealt with the sin in your life and given it to him to fully surrender. And we would love to walk with you through that. I don't I don't know what you need to do, but I do know this. The gospel's been preached. Jesus only saves. And we love you and are here if you want to pray about anything at all. Once you come as we sing. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.